You never really do know what the casual interactions of any given day will dredge up from within you. Early this spring, I signed up to be a player in the Edmonton Disc Golf Association's Thursday League at Rundle Park. Any disc golfers in the room? No? You know what I'm talking about. Middle-aged men throwing plastic. It's super fun. Anyways, playing with these fellow disc golfers has been a terrific, enjoyable time for me. And yet, one of those things was sort of dredged up in me, and it really took me by surprise. As the season starts out, in the first 10 weeks of play, each player is expected to group up with anyone in the league who shows up at the same time as them, regardless of their skill level or their level of experience. And then after 10 weeks, we'll get sorted into divisions based on our average scoring for every Thursday. Now, you would think that the outgoing and open and sociable Jeremy would uh, happily fit right in there for a little chit-chat and friendly banter with all those strangers. And it's true. It's true. But there was something else. Just a little something. As much as I've had a great time week after week... And everyone has been super nice in that whole league. Every Thursday morning I would wake up with a sort of dread about Thursday evening, even though I was doing something that I really was looking forward to. What was I dreading? I couldn't really say for a while, but after some time it finally occurred to me. Those meet-up and group-up moments felt exactly like the first shaky days of school in elementary and junior high and high school after the summer break. That feeling when the friends are back after summer break, but are they still your friends? Is there a group of cool kids? Are there any really bad kids? Are there any new friends out there? Who are the safe people? Who are the bullies? Am I included? I was grateful for this because it was a healthy practice for me, uh, offering a little bit of insight and a gentle reminder as someone who commits so much time and effort to help create a space of hospitality and inclusion for teenagers and young people, and also for newcomers and outsiders to our church. It was good for me to sit for a moment with that vulnerable and shy part of myself, that A tender little piece that's still there even after so many years of well-developed coping skills and defense mechanisms. Just this last Thursday, I was partnered up with a group of folks that I'd played with before. And as we were grouping up awkwardly, I said, these group up times feel just like the first day of school. And the other one said, yeah, it really does feel like that. Could we uh, make a point of trying to play together next week? We sit for a time with a text from Matthew's Gospels today. And in these days after Pentecost, it's helpful to occasionally be reminded that in this season we take a little extra care to read these Gospel texts through the lens of the Pentecost encounter. The book of Acts reframes and fleshes out the Gospels. So often the Gospels have these disciples who act out and they're all bewildered and confused and sometimes behaving really badly. 
And after Pentecost, you can hear them sitting by the fire and swapping stories. Wow, I still cringe when I think about that time when we had an argument about who was the greatest disciple. After Pentecost and the growth of the early church, those astonished and sometimes embarrassed first followers would have taken time to retell and reconsider all of those amazing and perplexing Jesus stories. This is a rereading with their own experience in light of their fresh understanding of the church and the world. And even still now, we, the church, quite necessarily carry on and keep this same practice. As we read these gospel stories with the view of Christ loose in the world, we, the church, can glean from this practice an understanding of what it means for the spirit-filled church to be loosed in the world. These texts are a guide for us, and even while we sometimes cringe (laughs) with those first disciples, as we consider our own performances, we sit today with a passage that falls in the midst of a restless and busy time for Jesus. In Matthew 8, just a few verses back, one scribe says, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replies, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Just try and keep up. There is no rest for the busy Christ on the move. And as Jesus walks on, these stories develop a relentless immediacy, pressing in, one upon the other. In chapters 8 and 9 of Matthew's Gospel, we get ten miracle stories packed in. Characters who overlap and run into each other as their lives play out. These are sometimes surprising connections and people of such different stripes and backgrounds. People normally separated by class and assets and social realities and life choices and misfortunes and customs and religious dogma. Through all of it, we need to remember that Jesus was and is the embodied gospel of mercy and steadfast love, active and loose in the world. Jesus was oblivious to those dividing lines and those cliques. He ignored all those social and religious groupings, the nice kids and the cool kids and the bad kids and the bullies. He crossed those boundaries set up by centuries of prejudice and fear. Today's story about crossing boundaries starts quite fittingly at the town's border. As he passed from the county line, from the countryside, Jesus stopped by the toll booth where he met Matthew, the collaborator, working for the oppressive occupying emperor who was exploiting the region for easy cash. This man would have been scorned as a thief and outcast and hated. And Jesus' simple invitation, follow me, changed the trajectory of his life forever. You can hear the bystanders muttering, this is the sort of man that a holy man recruits? This is the sort of man that this holy man recruits. Matthew got up and followed him. 
As the gossip spreads, other bad kids arrive on the scene. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. And the Pharisees saw this, and they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? The religious experts have pages of scripture and doctrines on their side. They've got their own coping skills and defense mechanisms, and they have rules and structures to maintain separation from the ills and entanglements of this world, not to mention common decency and pride. They have boundaries to maintain. They have scoundrels to keep outside the gates. But with a little scripture of his own, Jesus quoting the genius prophet Hosea, He says, I require steadfast love, not sacrifice. I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. Mercy, not sacrifice. For this week's passage, mercy is definitely the word of the day. And then that closer, go and learn what this means. But then another story just crashes in on them. A desperate father, a leader of the local synagogue, bursting into the room. My daughter has just died. Come and lay your hands on her and she will live. And for a twist, Jesus followed him out into the streets. Jesus and an entourage of followers and haters And then this time, mid-miracle, another heartbroken soul made her way through the crowd, this hemorrhaging woman. Twelve years of illness, twelve years of loneliness as an outcast, a contaminated, suspicious, untouchable, and let's be real, in the court of popular opinion, someone who probably deserved it. She says to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. It's a risky, sneaky maneuver. It's pure desperation received by Jesus with such kindness. What a beautiful line he has for her. Take heart, daughter, he says. Your faith has made you well. There's no time to (laughs) chit-chat. We're in the middle of a whole other thing. Keep moving, Jesus. On arrival at the leader's house, the family shared once more the same bad news. In the background, professional mourners are weeping. A procession funeral of flutes are playing out a somber tune. Go away, for the child is not dead, but sleeping. Uh, Okay, Jesus, that was a weird and oddly cruel thing to say to a grieving family, and the crowd choked on a bitter laugh. And then Jesus reached out, even past the frontier of death, taking the girl by the hand, another cleanliness law broken. And the girl got up, because even death has no hold on him. Jesus on the loose goes anywhere and everywhere. Everywhere. 
As Paul writes in Romans, can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Driven by Pentecost winds, the church in the footsteps in the dust cloud of the Galilean gathers its own momentum. The spirit pulling together little collaborations of people changed by mercy. A wind swirling amidst folks in the crowd and over the fences and through the doorways and windows, rustling the pigeons in the city square. A light breeze in a stale alleyway or a dark back room. Friends, we are a holy commotion. Our stories are crashing in on one another, sometimes interrupting, sometimes held in secret, with our broken hearts sneaking in the back way. Sometimes cynical people just working the angles, watching life go by when mercy in the flesh strolled by and took a hold of their lives. That same living mercy finds folks who have mourned in loneliness and sadness for what seems like ages. People who have reached out one last time in hope. Working folk, paycheck to paycheck people, busy professionals, distracted retirees, moms and dads and kids with routines and milestones and challenges. Of course, what gospel story would be complete without some pious religious folks who are quite sure that even after all this, they still know better. As we try and keep up with Jesus, more often than not, we will find that we are once again actually just those same astonished people carrying on the same precious hearts week after week, year after year. This is our gospel story. Because you never know what the mercy of a living God will make new in you. We are called to follow. We are a people set loose in the world to be a people of hope and mercy on the path of Jesus because he has made us free. Amen. Thanks be to God.